Hi everyone, as I uh, said in the intro today, we're going to be talking about Glattenbury Mountain. Uh, actually, we're going to be talking about the old town of Glattenbury. To be more specific, I'm not going to really, I'm going to touch a little bit on Glattenbury Mountain, but mostly this is going to be about uh, about the town that no longer exists, although there's still a few people there who live within the former boundaries of the town. They, there's only, it really, it, it doesn't exist anymore. And it's got a quite a colorful history to it, you know, from the very beginning to the very end. Even going as far back as the 1950s, and it was a few supposed stories that I've heard about in more modern times. But with that being said, let me give you the quick actual history of the town of Glattenbury. And then we're going to go into the it's weird history, okay? And if you listen to this podcast, I like to cover a little bit of everything that is uh, weird, strange, macabre, uh, like true crime, unsolved mysteries, whatever, whatever. I, I love that those kind of stories, but I also love stories that are give more of a woohoo type of thing. You know, stories that will. Uh, kind of lift the spirit up and I'm trying to or sometimes just something fun and and uh bizarre you know like uh like I just did a, a little story about Dr. Pepper I did a story about root beer and I'm looking for other stories like that but right now we're this is kind of going into a little bit more darker area not as dark as it could be but we're gonna, like I said Glattenbury was first chartered in 1796 by the governor of New Hampshire, Benning Wentworth. And if I, if my history, uh, if my history is correct, he's, uh, the one who the town of Bennington got named after. So, but back then, if you're wondering how does a New Hampshire governor charter a town in Vermont, uh, it's very simple back then pre-revolutionary war vermont well was unclaimed territory like i said uh, canada tried to claim it new york tried to claim it new hampshire massachusetts everyone's trying to claim vermont because it's right there in the middle of everyone and vermont is like no we're our own people in a way we're we were actually our own country for a short period of time kind of like texas with that being said But it would be many years before people would actually begin settling in the area uh, due to its very rugged terrain. I have actually tried to do a little hiking down in there, and it is part of the Green Mountain National Forest now, uh, much of the Glattenbury and Glattenbury Mountain. Matter of fact, uh, the Appalachian Trail and Vermont Long Trail actually go up and over Glattenbury Mountain. And today, if you are driving north or south from Bennington going towards Manchester or vice versa Route 7 actually does uh, there's a part of Route 7 that actually does go up and over uh, a part of Glattenbury Mountain it's not uh, not okay let me reword that it kind of goes along I think it's the, the western side of Glattenbury Mountain and and I've heard some weird stories just about that driving I've never experienced anything I need that drive many 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 times over the years uh, having family who actually lived down in Bennington, having some friends who lived in Bennington, uh, going through there to go over to New York State to visit friends and family. It's I've never had any experiences on the drive. Supposedly people have, but we're going to get into that weird stuff uh, eventually. 
now, although the now the 1791 census showed only six families in the area, but by 1810 the population actually grew to 76 people. <clears throat> Please understand that's actually probably a good little population explosion, considering that what that time was. But Due to tough times that were it just happened statewide, uh, the population actually dropped to 73 people by 1840. Now, after the Civil War, there were a lot of business ventures that were happening in Vermont, and particularly down in southern Vermont, which is right there on the lines of Massachusetts and New York, where they needed lumber. <clears throat> the city of Bennington was beginning to grow, and so they were going to need lumber from, from there. Uh, you had Boston, you had New York, you had this, the the uh, the Southern states, the Southern Reconstruction going on. Lumber was a commodity, and guess what? Uh, in Glattonbury, that became big industry. People were moving back in there. People were working for the lumber companies, and they were just making money tooth and nail. But by the 1880s, most of the mature trees in the area were removed. And Glattenbury once again began to see a population decline. And if you were to go back and start looking at old pictures from the 1880s, uh, 1890s, you will not see the trees that we have today. Everything you see today is uh, second and third growth. But it's very thick. And so you, people don't think about it because it's so thick. Everyone's like, oh, you know, you know, this is completely untouched. No, no, it was touched. It was second, second, third growth because we had a major lumber industry coming through here once upon a time. And by the way, lumber is still big in Vermont, contrary to popular belief. Now, despite the attempts to, have, to save the town by building a mountain resort, that is where the old hotel... Uh, there's an old hotel in the Glattenbury area. Um, I cannot remember. I cannot tell you the town where you have to. It's like they'll tell you you have to park at the municipal building and you got to hike up the dirt road and it, it is a pain. But it, it, you can drive a car to the gate of the national park. As long, but there are people who. Still have camps in the national park area. They kind of got grandfathered in, so they uh, what they do is that's their parking. But if you're there, go there during the summertime when they're when they're not when no one's deer hunting or anything, you can actually if you can make your way there, you can go park your vehicle so that way you don't have that much of a hike, which was something I wish I knew before I made my hike in. Now. As I said, they were trying to build a resort, and when they did, the, even when they were doing the resort, they also built a uh, electric passenger trolley from Bangton that go, went to Glattenbury. And if you think you know, it'd be probably a big thing to, to attract all the wealthy people to come in and check out Glattenbury. Oh, you can just park your car here and take this little train up there. I, was, I mean, that's actually pretty good thinking. But spring floods would wipe out Glattenbury. And would see the beginning of the end, and in and by 1937, Glattenbury would become one of six towns in the state of Vermont to become unincorporated. 
So, I mean, it's had a really rough uh, go, really rough start. Uh, tried to hang on for dear life, and it just it just didn't. Now, last I was reading today, there's still a couple people who live in the Glattenbury, Somerset area. They are full-time residents. And the story is that they don't like the seasonal folk that go down there and are there just there seasonally. And they're like, the summertime, it is... They're like, all they say is how noisy it is during the summertime. Cause you have all these people going in, they're, they're at camps. And they say the rest of the year is nice, quiet, and peaceful. But, <clears throat> moving on. There is a bit of a weird history connected to Glattenbury. Really, uh, it is... Now, I'm going to try and... I have my notes are kind of out of order on this. And so I'm going to read this. I'm going to try and uh, go through my notes, and I'm going to try to put a little bit of an order. I'm going to start with the Native Americans, okay? The Native Americans who actually lived in the area, they did not... They refused to uh, have anything to do with, with Glattenbury Mountain. Remember, the, remember the, they got the town of Glattenbury that sits just to the east of Glattenbury Mountain, okay? Uh, by, it's, a, it's a few miles. I think, well, I think, what, nine, ten miles? I can't remember. But... The natives did not want nothing to do with it. Apparently, they would not hunt. Uh, they would only bury their dead at the base. And you would think if the native population is like, you know, we want nothing to do with this area, you know, have it, white man. Uh, you might want to be rethinking things to yourself a little bit. Like maybe, hmm, the natives want nothing to do with this. Uh, maybe we should just let it be. But. Well, a combination of it's just being super, super hard terrain and superstitions. Uh, it is Bennington, uh, Glattenbury is considered a very mysterious place just on this alone. Uh, there's also a belief that the Native Americans have that there is a somewhere on Glattenbury Mountain, there is a rock. And every once in a while, this rock would open up and devour people. So they're like all the people who go missing around Glattenbury Mountain is because of this rock. And <laughs> that, is, uh, that is a fun story. This is, these are Native American tales. Like I said, Native Americans want nothing to do with Glattenbury Mountain. Now, moving a little bit forward, there is a, there's other stories that come from, you know, around 1867. Of a, there's a story of a wild man who lived in the area. And it was believed that he lived in a cave near the town of Somerset. Uh, Somerset and Glattenbury are our neighbors. Uh, Somerset's another town that got unincorporated. He would go to... I'm trying to, I'm trying to reread this here. He goes to Glattenbury, brandishing a revolver, and exposes himself to women. He's believed he was run out, run out of the area. Uh, That's actually one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. You know... <laughs> um, I'm sure just, uh, I've heard a, a couple different versions of that like the guy got they found out who he was and got run out of town the other thing was is that he actually changed his appearance up and started actually wearing clothes and nobody really recognized him much uh, after that but that is like I said that's a strange one of strange stories in 1992 there was a man by the name of Henry McDowell who was murdered who murdered uh John Crowley. McDowell had 
fled the area, only to be apprehended in South Norwalk, Connecticut. He confessed to the crime and complained about voices in his head. It's not just sounds like he had schizophrenia. And he was sent to the Vermont State Asylum in uh, Waterbury. And it, it just—I I really don't know how to describe mental health treatment back in the 1800s. Uh, the facilities were pretty much a place where you just sent somebody who had some sort of a mental illness. You just sent, kind of sent them there, and you forgot about them, which uh, that was sad. Treatment was horrible. Uh, many of these, most of the facilities were actually closed by the late 1900s. Um, we actually had a, a facility here in my hometown that closed in 1993. Um, it was home for people who were who were physically and mentally disabled. And I've never really heard of any horror stories coming out of there. Um, I had family and friends who worked there, and I never really heard much by way of uh, the uh, of harsh treatment or I mean it was, by all means from my understanding that one facility was actually pretty good but if you go back to the 1800s uh, even the, the place in Waterbury that was quite a facility and I'm sure by this time it was probably almost overloaded security wasn't the greatest because McDowell actually escaped. Uh, and like I said, back then, I'm sure you're going up towards the Northeast Kingdom. I'm sure he went north. He'd probably be going to uh, Canada. If he turned around and he went east, he'd go into New Hampshire. Uh, west, he wouldn't get very far going west because uh, there you'd be hitting Lake Champlain. And I'm sure he'd be, he would be found out. So... Anyways, he escaped and nobody ever saw him again. My theory is, if he was suffering from something like schizophrenia, I'm sure he probably uh, wound up uh, somewhere in the wilderness and passed off from exposure. Okay. Now in 18 now in 1897, John Harbor was murdered in his at his deer camp in Birchford, Birchford, uh, Birchford Hollow. Deep in the hills near Glattenbury, in the opening day of Vermont's first ever deer season, the next day he would be found underneath a cedar tree with his loaded gun laying nearby him, with no signs of how he got there, and the mystery still remains unsolved today. Uh, that, personally, um, that is kind of an odd case of people. I've heard about this case many times. There's really, you know, you got to think about it. This is the late 1800s, early 1900s. Forensic science was not a, a thing. I'm sure back then, if that happened today, we probably, we probably know something. But back then, no. Uh, so that, that that's just a sample of what has gone on. But there's also been several missing people. And between the years of 1945 and 1950, there was a total of six people who had just, they had just disappeared in the area of Glattenbury Mountain. Okay, 
like I said, this is where all the spooky stuff comes in. One was, the first one I believe was uh, Mindy, Mindy Rivers, age 74. She went missing um, on, on, bleh, on November 12, 1945, while hunting, while leading a group of, of hunters. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm actually kind of fighting a little bit of an illness, so I just want to get this done and out. While leading a group of hunters out of the out of the mountains, he went ahead of the group and was never seen again. Paula Weldon, 18, went missing in December. She's probably one of the more famous cases. Uh, she went missing in December 1st, 1946. She was a sophomore at Bennington College. On the day she went missing, people saw her leave, leaving including a Bennington Banner employee. Bennington, if you want to know who the Bennington Banner is or was, uh, that was the local paper down in Bennington for many, many, many years. Who she asked for directions to the uh, Long Trail. Allegedly, she had been seen by a couple on the Long Trail, and as they rounded a corner, she simply disappeared. Despite a $5,000 reward and help from the FBI, no sign of her was ever found. The third one was Betty Frazier, age 26, went missing on May 5th, 1948. She was reported missing by her husband when she didn't return home from work at a local bar. At first, the barman was suspected of her uh, disappearance, but was later dismissed. Neighbors thought they were they saw her walking, and I'm trying to read this. They thought they saw her walking in a trance-like state past their home. Her body was found on the forest trail in West Dover, 17 miles away, in one month afterwards. The, the, the case was closed by death by misadventure, but remains suspicious. Um... Yeah, pretty bad. I gotta go reread my notes on this. <laughs> Can you read my own handwriting? But basically, what they they didn't know what how she died. So basically, they're probably trying to say uh, either probably exposure or or it, her. She died. It was basically. I guess they, they didn't want to make it sound like you know. Okay, this is really a suspicious death, but they were trying to kind of brush things off to the side. Moving on, James Tedford went missing on December first. 1949. This was a year after Paula uh, died. He was he was a resident at the Bennington Soldiers' Home. Uh, James was on a bus. Oh, if you don't want to know what a soldiers' home is, that was like you know, a lot of these soldiers. They came back from uh, from World War II. They needed places to stay. They didn't have their you know they were trying to get their lives together. So these, a lot of these little homes were set up to kind of help them out, help them you know give them a place to live, so on and so forth. Now. James was on a bus on his way back from St. Albans where he was visiting friends and family. According to witnesses, Tedford got on the bus and was on the bus at the last stop before Bennington. That would be somewhere between... That last stop was uh, somewhere between uh, Bennington and Manchester. I'm, I'm assuming it was uh, Arlington. Uh, that's where I'm going to assume. Now... James vanished. 
somewhere between those two stops, he vanished. My, uh, I do have a theory about that. I'm sure everybody thought he was on the bus. He probably slipped out at the last minute to go grab something, and the bus might have taken off without him. But you would, you would think there would have been witnesses at that stop, and he probably, being an old soldier, he probably decided, well, I'll just walk, and just didn't make it home. Paul Jepson 8 disappeared on October 12th, 1950, he was with his mother in a truck. She left him in the yeah, she left him in the truck while she went to feed some pigs. Now this is uh, a big warning to anybody about leaving your children in a car. Okay, she was she said she was only gone for about half an hour when Paul's mother returned and he was nowhere in sight. Although search parties were formed, the child was never found. Okay. Um, I'm, here, I'm always hearing these stories, uh, especially if you're like paying attention to uh, Missing 411 or any other uh, of these stories where pe you know, people mysteriously just go missing. It doesn't take much to get lost in the wilderness, especially if you don't know what you're doing. It's very, let's be very clear on this. Uh, he could have, you know, eight years old. I know me at eight, I had a very curious mind. If I saw something, I would actually go go and look at it, okay? Uh, there were times, I don't know how many times my dad told me to stay in the truck while doing something. Well, gee, I see something that's curious. I'll get out of the truck and walk off. Next thing I know, I'm hearing my name being called out, okay? is uh, Take it as a warning, parents. Don't leave your kids in the car. I don't care how long, what you're doing, what you have to do. Just don't do it. Okay, and that's probably what happened here. He got out of the truck and just wandered off. <laughs> now, the last case during this period of time was Frida Langer, 53 years old. She disappeared on October 28, 1950. That's not long after uh, Paul Jepson. Just six, yeah, it was like I said, <laughs> just six days after his disappearance. She was camping on the Somerset Reservoir with her cousin, Herbert, uh, Herbert and his family. They left the campsite to go on a hike. Fear said that she would return to go change her clothes. After some time, Elgner returned to the campsite. That would be uh, her cousin. Uh, should I say, I'd be, uh, yeah, that'd be the cousin, Herbert, Herbert Elgner. Returned to the campsite to uh, check on Frida, only to discover that she never returned. Over the course of two weeks, five search parties were formed, but she was never found. On May 12, 1951, her body was found about three and a half miles away from the eastern branch of the Deerfield River. And the area was searched previously because of the conditions of the body. Cause of death could not be determined. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, just think about this, you know, I think to a lot of us, we're, as I'm reading some of this information, the, the disappearances don't sound all that mysterious. Uh, but to a lot of people, there were so many that happened at one time and in one little area that it's kind of a, uh, a big deal. And a lot of people think it's mysterious. Um, I'm not going to get into this. I'm not going to talk about people. As far as the family of Paul Jepson, if, if any of those relatives are still alive, you know, I'm not, I was not trying to shame them and how they 
in leaving him in the truck, that was a very different time of, of a period in our lives. Like I said, I, I'm an eighties child and it was nothing for my dad to leave me and my sister alone in the pickup truck. Heck, he was on the fire department. He took us to the fire, to these, the fire and uh, accident scenes. If we just whole happened to be with him. So don't sit here and think that, you know, I'm trying to cut them down. I'm not. It's a very different time period. Today, it, I don't think anybody would let uh, their children be alone in a vehicle for any amount of time. And there are other stories about Glattenberry and the surrounding mountains. I, I've actually came across stories. I couldn't find any real evidence to support them that, you know, they'll see ghosts walking, you know, along the long trail. They'll see run into uh if you people would uh just vanish while out on a hike they would leave somehow something would happen they would have to they would get off the trail and they would just vanish uh i haven't you know those are stories that i have heard uh, and i'm going to say i've not really found much by way of concrete evidence i've heard of people driving north and south on route 7 which goes right by Glattenberry mountain and one big encounter that I heard was I can't remember if they were driving from Bennington to Manchester or from Manchester to Bennington on that stretch but they were uh, they were traveling and they got around Glattenberry Mountain and it was just a, a massive thunder, thunderstorm they could not see they're at a crawl hoping that they get just get out of the storm and wherever like I said I can't remember wherever they was going they got there and they were talking to people about that horrible storm they're like what storm they're like oh well, we were just driving and there was this massive storm we couldn't do it. and they're like well the weather report didn't say anything about a storm and we've had blue skies all day and there's another thing i really want to address uh back in the early 2000s a, there was an author here i'm not going to get into all this uh just because of legal reasons i'm going to say his name but he coined the phrase bennington triangle just because of the these five disappearances and the weird stuff that has gone on um in this area of this uh triangle and there are still relatives of the people that i just listed who are missing there they have relatives the relatives are still alive okay you're probably looking at one or two generations just past this so what i want to say to you is you know if you're going if you want to take a hike into glattenberry if you want to you know hike around the area don't refer to it as the bennington triangle okay this person coined the phrase just to make money you know kind of like the bermuda triangle that term actually didn't pop up until what the 1950s 1960s so with all that being said uh it's a beautiful place enjoy if you want to go and visit it's please do it uh be that do be respectful don't be talking about the you know glattenberry monster and all that stuff and okay and there is a lot more to Glattenberry and Glattenberry Mountain. It's a, it's a fantastic piece of history. Uh, it, you know, it's a period of, of Vermont that a lot of people just don't get into discussions about for whatever reason. But please, check it out. Be respectful of people. Enjoy your hiking. Like I said, there's a lot of hiking trails around there, not just the Appalachian Long Trail, but you will... Please go and enjoy yourself. With that being said, 
good day and remember we are all still a work in progress hey everybody in closing i want to end with romans 5 8 that and it goes along like this but god demonstrates his own love towards us that in while we were still sinners christ died for us thank you for listening god bless and until next time Hey everybody, if you're going uh, through any form of depression, any form of uh, traumatic experience right now, I want to encourage you to please don't be afraid to call the 988 number. There are professionals on there who would be more than willing to talk to you and just listen to you and just, you know, just a place, a safe place for you to go to and you can unload. Okay. Also, if you, if you, need to go ahead and talk to your local preacher talk to a local doctor or a therapist if you don't want to uh call either the 988 number or or see any other professionals be don't be afraid to go to use the uh, one of the online services and i'm sorry i'm a little um stumbling over this a little bit uh this is kind of a big deal don't be afraid to use any of the online services that are provided. I will leave links in the show description about those. And those are, you know, BetterHelp, Talkspace, Cerebral. I have used those. They are, I'm still using them. They are great. It's, it's, it's especially if you're going through something and you really need to get out, but you, you know, the waiting line for a, for to actually go into a doctor's office is quite long. You're looking at weeks and you may not have weeks. You might, you know, so, don't be afraid use those find someone get the help that you need right also some of those services they do they do have uh psychiatrists right there people who can actually prescribe medication if it's something that you need okay so please please get the help that you need uh either call the 98 number talk to a professional you know at the actual doctor's office talk to your preacher do whatever it is you have to do but please get the help that you need and deserve